Okay, the big ideas in this section are all about partial derivatives. And as we said in the introduction, not just how to take them, but also what they represent. And as you can see in figure 2.1, the first partial derivative of a function is simply the slope of a graph of that function versus whatever variable you're taking the partial derivative with respect to. So for example, in the one-dimensional wave case, where you've got y the disturbance is some function of x the distance, partial of y with respect to x is simply the slope of that graph at any point x. As you can see in figure 2.1, the slope is the rise over the run, and just like with ordinary derivatives, in order to get the instantaneous value of the slope, we allow that run delta x to get infinitesimally close to zero. In the case of a two-dimensional function, such as y is a function of both x, which is position, and t, which is time, you can see in figure 2.2, a graph of y versus both x and t now shows a surface, and now there's not just a single slope. As shown in figure 2.3, you can look at the slope moving in the x direction or the slope in the t direction. In this case, at the point shown in figure 2.3, the slope in the x direction is quite steep, but there's very little slope in the t direction. So in this case, the partial of y with respect to x would have a big value, in this case a big negative value because the slope is pointing downward, while the partial with respect to t would have zero value. Of course, the figure in 2.3 is not a very interesting wave function. You can see a more realistic wave function in figure 2.4, in which the wave function has non-zero slopes both in x and in t. As you can see, as time progresses, and remember the time axis is pointing out of the page in figure 2.4, the wave is moving to the right. So this harmonic wave, a sine of kx minus omega t, in this case is plotted in both x and t, and as you can imagine, there are non-zero partial derivatives both in the x direction and in the t direction in this case. So the first partial derivative with respect to x or t is a measure of the slope of the function in those dimensions. What about the second partial derivative? Well, that's the change in the slope. That is, the second partial derivative with respect to x is the change in the x-directed slope, and the second partial derivative with respect to t is the change in the t-directed slope. So partial derivatives represent changes. The first partial represents the slope, the second partial represents the change in the slope. The next question is, how do these partial derivatives apply to wave functions? In the case of a sinusoidal wave, the first and second spatial derivatives are given in equations 2.1 and 2.2, and you can see a graph of those in figure 2.5. Notice that for the wave function a sine kx minus omega t, the first partial derivative gives a cosine function, and the second partial derivative gives a negative sine function. If you want to know why the first partial derivative of a sine wave is a cosine wave, and why the second partial derivative of a sine wave is a negative sine wave, look at figure 2.6. The top part of the graph shows a sine wave, and what we've shown here in the lower part of the graph is the value of the slope at each point. Notice that a sine wave near x equals zero has a rather steep slope, so the slope is a big positive number. As you move toward the top of the first peak as you move along x, the slope gets smaller. That's why the slope is a smaller positive number at that point. At the very top of the first peak, the slope becomes zero. Notice that the graph of the slope is now at zero. Then as you move past the peak in x, the slope becomes a small negative number at first, then a larger negative number, and then back to zero. So this shows why the derivative of a sine is a cosine. Likewise, if you want to know why the second partial derivative gives you a negative sine, look at figure 2.7. Now we're looking not just at the slope, but at the change in the slope. 
near x equals zero, the slope is positive, but it's very slowly getting less positive. And remember, when a slope is getting less positive, that's a negative change. A negative change can be either getting less positive or more negative. So at the very start of this sine wave near x equals zero, the slope is slowly getting less positive. Therefore, the change in the slope, the second partial of y with respect to x, is a small negative number. As you approach the first peak, the slope is more rapidly getting less positive, and therefore you have a bigger negative number. At the very top of the peak, the slope is zero, but its change is not zero. It's getting more negative rapidly. That's why the second partial shows a big negative number at that point. Then as you move past the peak and come near the zero crossing, you'll see the slope is slowly getting more negative. So the change in the slope is a small negative number. As the wave function moves through zero, the slope is constant. Therefore, there's zero change in the slope, and the second partial derivative is zero at that point. Once the waveform becomes negative, the slope is now getting less negative. Therefore, the change in the slope is a small positive number. And at the very bottom of the trough, where the slope is again zero, the change in the slope is positive. Therefore, you see the second derivative with respect to x as a big positive number. So between figure 2.6 and 2.7, you should understand why the first partial derivative of a sine wave is a cosine and why the second partial derivative is a negative sine. These second order partial derivatives are the very essence of the classical wave equation, which is the subject of the next section.